Wow. I can't tell you guys how super blessed and honored I am to be with University Presbyterian Church today. And of all days, to be with you guys on Father's Day. It's just super awesome. And listen, your pastor is one of my closest and dearest friends on the planet. We're, we're hanging out together um, on the phone uh, uh, almost weekly, uh, supporting one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, processing back and forth about messages, and just sharing our hearts. And I just want to tell you something that I know that you already know. Your pastor loves you. He does with all of his heart. I mean, he's not, it's, you know, being your pastor for, for George is not just about being a CEO of a big church or a career or professional ministry. It includes all of that, of course. But, you know, for him, it's a call. It's all about the fact that he loves you guys. Man, we pray together, and in our times of praying together, you know, he, he, he weeps as you guys work through difficult stuff. He, he rejoices as you guys uh, celebrate wonderful accomplishments. He loves you. He loves you. So I, I just want to ask, Father's Day is a wonderful time, and I just want to encourage you guys, if you haven't told him recently that you know how much he loves you and you appreciate the fact that he loves you and that you love him. I just want to encourage you, you know, even now, why don't you just go ahead and send him a text or, uh, uh, over the course of the next few moments or, or immediately after this message, send him an email and just let him know that you see him and you appreciate just how much he appreciates you and loves you. Would you do that? That would be a wonderful gift to him on this day. The second thing I want to say is that yesterday was Juneteenth Day, and I just want to, I know that you guys, uh, you know, honored that at University Press. That's a big deal. And whenever I think about Juneteenth, I think about the fact that President Lincoln uh, passed the proclamation, the Emancipation Proclamation, two and a half years before it reached the slaves in Gaveston, Texas. And, and you, you, you think about that, and you think about justice delayed. And uh, it's, a, it's a reminder of uh, all of the tough challenges that we've been worked through around race and all that over the course of the last year and a half. And I know that you guys have really worked hard to be trailblazers as you've uh, as you really uh, have have amplified uh, the violence and the horror that's plummeting the Asian American community as you've struggled with, uh, you know, in, engaging the the police brutality issues that have engulfed the uh, African-American community. And you've done some really amazing and hard work. And, and I just want to celebrate that. And, you know, when I think about Juneteenth, I think about the words of Dr. King. And, and I think about the work that you guys are doing. And, and, you know, he says, the arc of the universe is long, justice delayed, but it bends towards justice. I just want to say your work is not in vain. God will bless your work and our work together. Let me hasten to say, as this is Father's Day, that more often than not, Father's Day celebrations are very complicated times. For some of us, we think of our fathers and immediately a smile breaks onto our faces, right? And warm and fuzzy feelings come. But for others of us, when we think of father or father figures in our lives, it's not a smile, it's not warm and fuzzy feelings that come. Uh, often it's anger, it's pain, it's confusion. 
And so Father's Day celebrations are just complicated. The word Father's Day celebrations. Come, can you just say celebration out loud? If you're typing in the chat, just go ahead and type in the chat celebration. Uh, uh, Father's Day celebrations can be really complicated. So whatever group you're in today, as we're thinking about Father's Day, I want to encourage you to lean in because God has a word for you. God has a word for me. God has a word for all of us as we gather around this, this unique occasion called Father's Day. Now I want to take you to a passage of scripture that's found in, uh, in Acts chapter 28. Let me just set for you the context for a moment. The Apostle Paul has been preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he really pushes the, the boundaries of the church uh, uh, across Asia Minor, ultimately is arrested for the proclamation of his faith. Now he's on a ship and they're taking him to uh, Rome to be tried. And uh, en route to the destination, the ship runs into this horrendous storm and it literally comes apart, comes apart at sea, but supernaturally and miraculously, God saves the folk on that boat, on that ship, including Paul. And here's where the story picks up here. And I want you to pay close attention as we start thinking about what does this have to say about fathers and fathers figures in our lives? And what does this have to say about men in general that's in our lives? Listen to the text. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. And the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, <laughs> a murderer, no doubt, <laughs> though he escaped the sea, justice will, now will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a God. The word of God for the people of God. Let everyone say amen and amen. Fascinating text, isn't it? Just an absolute fascinating text about what happened to Paul in that moment. Let me hasten to my first insight which I want to lift from verse 3. Notice verse 3. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, somebody say poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him in the hand. Now, scholarship, the scholarship behind this text, the scholars will say that more than likely because of that part of the, that, the, the area of the world that they were located, that the poisonous snake was a viper that was hiding in the, in the sticks in the woods. And as, as, in the, as, as Paul began to pull, gather some sticks, he swept up a viper that was there. Remarkably, here's a picture of a, a potentially one of those uh, vipers that uh, they can be as small as 10 inches, I'm told, and they can be as long as 10 feet. And when it comes to their anatomy, when talking about the, it, 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 it bit Paul, clamped down on Paul, uh, we think about their fangs. Here's a great picture of their, their fangs. They say their fangs are like, are like knives, like blades, really. And when they clamp down on you, 
they, 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 they lock in and then they and then the venom, uh, they release the venom. And so the snake is ultimately locked onto Paul's hand. And here is the first insight as we struggle with our confusion about men, right? As we as we try to figure out uh, fathers and as we try to figure out how to celebrate, regardless of what category we're in, uh, the fathers in our lives. Here's the first insight. Paul was wounded. Can somebody say wounded? <laughs> and, 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 and here's the insight that, that I want you, if you're taking, you can take a picture of this or write it down. Here's what's true about all of us men. Doesn't matter how charismatic we are, how powerful we are. Here's a, here's a true statement. Men are complicated. Men are confusing, all right? That's another wonderful word for complicated, right? Because all of us have been wounded. Is there anything confusing about the men in your life? Uh, you can always draw a straight line from that that is confusing, that that is painful, that that is, that is, is not working right uh, between you and the men in your life, whether they be a father or a brother or a spouse or an uncle, whatever the case might be, right? You can draw a straight line almost always from the, the mystery, the the, the hurtful thing to their woundedness. And this is certainly true for fathers of all stripes. We all have some woundedness. Here's a picture of Denzel Washington, and he's one of my favorite actors. And, and Denzel tells the story that, you know, in his, when he shifted from high school, he went into college and and for the first few years, he was just shiftless, and he got into all kind of trouble, and, and, uh, and uh, just, just was on a downward path. <laughs> he, was a, he, was a, he was a male that was creating all kinds of trouble around him. And if you saw him in isolation, you just say, this is a troubled guy. This is not a man that I necessarily want to be connected to. If he was here to tell the story, he would tell the story. He often tells this story when he makes his commencement uh, uh, speeches. But if you pull back the curtain from Denzel's life and look behind the curtain, you'll discover what was actually going on. You see, in the last two years of high school, his parents divorced and what that means, more than likely, if they divorced, the marriage got so bad that they ultimately divorced before he could finish high school. It means that he grew up in a house probably the last five, six, seven years prior to the divorce. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of rage. There was all kinds of stuff. And, and, and Denzel, like Paul, probably got bitten. He was wounded. He was living out the woundedness in his life. You see, here's what we know, that every man you know, including myself, we've all, guys, we've been bitten. There's all kinds of ways that we've been bitten. Often it's in our childhood, right? And some of us grew up in homes where it was full of rage and anger and domestic violence or alcoholism and all of the uncertainty that, that growing up in an alcoholic home will produce, our drug-addicted uh, home will produce, uh, and you got bitten. Some of us grew up in, in homes where there was physical abuse or sexual abuse 
or some other abuse that, that your father has never talked about. But he got bitten. Some of us grew up with fathers who were super demanding. They expected and demanded straight A's and they expected and demanded high performance, whether it was physical sports in, in terms of being an athlete or being in the classroom. But that same father rarely, if ever, perhaps never gave a hug. Never gave a public compliment. Never said to that son, I love you. I'm proud of you. You've really hit the mark. Never, ever. And that dad, that man that's listening to me right now, was bitten, was wounded. Some of us grew up in homes where we had a father in the house, guys, but we did not have a dad in our lives. You know why? Because, because that father that was in the house was never in the house because he was a corporate leader. He was, he was a business person. He was in politics that his, his job and his life kept him outside building a name for himself, right? And perhaps if you ask him, and I'm sure he meant it, uh, 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 building security for his family. So yes, you had a father come on now, uh, in your house, but you did not have one in your life. And still others among us, we grew up without a father and without a father figure, not in the house nor in our lives. And some men are in their 40s and their 50s and they're still looking for that dad, that father figure. They were bitten. We have been bitten. Men are wounded. You can draw a straight line between whatever your issue is with dad, right? Whatever the challenge is with that brother or that spouse or that sibling, come on. Whether you know it or not, that line goes straight to some woundedness. It was bitten. Notice this text, verse 6 of the, of the passage. I like this. You see, the islanders, they were familiar with vipers biting people. And, 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 and usually when vipers would bite people, both bit the men all across the island, many of the bit folk in their family, there, was, there, were, there were certain things that, that, you know, the, the woundedness would lead to a behavior. Come on, come on, say it with me. The woundedness, the woundedness leads to a behavior. And so the islanders saw the, the, what took place, and they now they knew it led to a behavior. So they're waiting for a behavior. Here it is. It says, the people waited for him, Paul, who was bitten by the snake, to either swell up, that was one behavior, or suddenly drop dead. That was the other behavior. I look at these words and I think about what social scientists often tell us about men and our insecurities. They say the woundedness in our lives produce what social scientists call hidden insecurities. And, uh, and they say these hidden insecurities, they show up in, in, usually in several categories. Not always, but often in several categories. The first is controlling, that because of our woundedness, we, we find ourselves trying to control everything and everybody around us. If you have a dad that, 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 or a man in your life, that, that, that they're super controlling, that reflects insecurities. 
are the anger and the rage that explodes. And when I think about these two categories uh, that how we express our insecurities, I think about the words, I think about being what it means to swell up. To swell up with hurt, to swell up with anger, to swell up with rage, to, to swell up with this notion that, 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 that if I don't control life around me, life will bite me. And then comes procrastination. Oftentimes we express our insecurity by delaying and putting things off. You know why? Because we actually don't feel adequate to do the task or to do the task well. We don't feel equipped we don't feel competent. And rather than just coming out and saying it that way, we put it off, we put it off, we put it off. And then finally, there's resonation. Somebody shout resonation. Type that in the chat. Resonation. You know what? Resonation is another word for quitting. And so often we men, we just quit. We, we, we quit working on our futures. We, we, we quit uh, trying to be better husbands. We quit trying to be better fathers. We quit. In some cases, we drop out of family life all together. We just quit as we express our insecurities. You know, many, many years ago when I started off in ministry uh, at, uh, at a wonderful church in San Francisco, there was a group of us that started off together. And one of us, uh, I had a, a really dear friend and uh, this guy was just gifted. He was just a gifted preacher and a gifted leader. In so many ways, we were like brothers. Life would transpire, and we would ultimately uh, go separate ways, but from time to time, stay in connection. And then came the moment when I got the phone call that my friend had just quit. He'd resigned. He literally left his wife left his children, cut off all communication. This wasn't just a temporary deal. It became the permanent disposition of this. And I just was so confused and I was so outraged and, and I was just so, I, I couldn't understand it. Well, this guy, we've preached together, we've ministered together. This guy knows how to be a good dad, you know, he, he, a good husband. I mean, you mean just drop out, resign, quit? Are you kidding me? After months of wrestling with this, I, the Lord brought back to my mind something that I had thoroughly forgotten. That when my friend was 13 years old, his dad just got up and left. Years later, that woundedness in my friend's life where he was bitten by his father getting up and leave, resurfaced as he, as he lived out that pattern. Totally unexpectedly, the poison, if you will, that, that was released by what his dad did to him, finally caught up. He didn't swell up, my friend, didn't. He just dropped dead. He dropped out of circulation, disconnected from his kids and his home. That's how this works, guys. We swell up or we drop. Dead. And yet social scientists tell us that there is an 
antidote for this kind of insecurity, guys. Listen, they said the antidote for a hidden insecurity usually is found in the form of affirmation. Shout affirmation. Go ahead and type into the chat. Affirmation. You know what affirmation is? It's another word for love. A another word for love made real. Oh, spoken love. Love that, that embraces, that affirms, I should say, right? Now, this gets me to the heart of our message today, and I'm racing through this, all right? So in this spirit of affirmation, I want to suggest that there are two gifts that we can give to our fathers and our father figures. Even if they have slipped from time to eternity, I want to argue that these, still, that these gifts are still relevant, that we can still release these gifts and give them away and, and, and in return receive, give ourselves a gift, two gifts. Here's the first gift. I want to suggest to you that we can all give on Father's Day the gift of care. What do you mean, Pastor, when you say the gift of care? Well, here's what I mean, guys. I mean care enough to learn his story. Even if he slipped from time to eternity, you, you do some research, do some investigation, talk to people. I want to challenge you to learn his story. I have a wonderful friend who, who, who I don't know, four or five years ago, we were talking about a similar situation. He said, what? I would give almost anything for my adult kids to come to me and say, Dad, I want to hear your story. I want to get to live inside of the narrative of your life. And when you, begin to, when you begin to learn that story inside of this, the very first thing that you want to know, and, and you, you can do this with spouses and the, the men in your life in general, even outside of the dad category, right? Here's the first thing you want to do. You want to celebrate the good. Come on, shout, celebrate the good. Because in all of our stories, I don't care how bad, we appear to be, how bad the experiences have been with us, there's always some good. Let me show you in the text. Let me show you the text. Let me show you the text. Uh, right here, back here in verse 3. Here's what the islanders witnessed, right? As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, that's when the snake bit him. And even though later on they're going to say, wow, he must be a criminal and this must be the result of, of justice catching up with him. And, and, and they understood that as this must be part of Paul's hidden story. But they had to also acknowledge that the event happened while Paul was doing something good, guys. He was, he was not sitting on the, on, the, on the beach waiting on other people to build a fire and he would come over there. He was, he was in there with them trying to help pull the, 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 get the enough armful of firewood to build a fire. He was doing something good. And they would, in, in their own way, they would have to at least acknowledge that. So when you hear that story, when you learn that story, do it in a way that you can celebrate the good. There is some good. Wow. And then the second part of this, when it comes to that story, here it is right here. See his wounds. I said, see it. Look at it. And then grief. See his wounds. And then grief. You're talking about something that really shifts your lens through which you see and understand your dad. When you begin to see his wounds or the man in your life, you see his wounds and allow yourself to begin to feel and grieve for those wounds. Can I show you this in the text? Let me just show you this in the text. Let's go back here. The people of the island, here it is. 
saw the snake, the viper, hanging from his hand. It had, it had, it had, it had latched its, 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 its teeth deep into his skin and was hanging from him. And as they saw that, what it means is, is what it means is that Paul's wound was exposed. They saw his exposed wound. Now let me just say something to the men. Paul exposed his wound. Look, obviously they saw it hanging. I, I, in my mind, he's holding his hand up and the snake is hanging down. And so he, he, he's not trying to pretend. He's exposing his wound. Now this is a good word for guys because, you know, oftentimes we guys, we, we, we have a way, if we trip or whatever, we, we try to play it off because we've been taught that we're not supposed to be uh, woundable. That we're supposed to be beyond being hurt. That's what it means to be strong. It's this false definition of what it means to be strong. And so often, the reason why our family members do not have any sense of the woundedness in our life is because we keep our woundedness off the table. And so the only thing that's being discussed on the table is the things that has made my, my, my children upset, the, the woundedness of my children, the, the things that have made my, the woundedness of my spouse. I'm not just talking about being upset. I'm talking about usually our kids and our spouses will, will they will expose, I'm wounded in this place, right? And, and, but, but we rarely talk about where we are wounded at. We might get angry, we might have rage, but we don't, we don't use the word hurt. Wounded, do we? Guys, why don't you give yourself a gift and give back to your family when they, when they, when they reach into your life and say, I want to know your story. I want to know the high notes and the low notes. I, I want to see your woundedness. Be courageous enough to expose, to share so they can see and grieve. Here's a picture of me when I was a little kid. And uh, you can't really tell because I'm still a kind of cute little fellow right here. I just have to admit that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, 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 I, had, I was burned as a baby. And so, you know, you can see the hair. But behind is the huge patches of bald spots. And, and you can see some of the scars that came uh, as, as a kid that was scarred at six months old. And, and they had to do skin grafts and all that kind of stuff. So I grew up a scarred kid. Here's a picture of me and my wife. We've been married for 35 years. Praise God, come August 2nd. And, and she's the love of my life. And I have to admit that the first 10 years of our marriage, uh, it was extremely difficult. I can't tell you how many times we, we talked of divorce and not being able to make it. It was, it was just seemingly impossible. And a huge part of that impossibility was me. And a huge reason why I made life so almost impossible with this amazing woman had to do a lot with my woundedness. You see, I grew up a scarred kid. You know, a miracle happened. My wife, she falls in love with me. She marries me. 11 months, we're dating, we're married. And I'm just thinking that any day she's going to wake up and the spell is going to be broken. She's going to realize, are you kidding? Here's what I'm with. And so I, I, I did things to sabotage the marriage, right? I said, look, am I, am I thinking she's going to leave me anyway? Let me just try to push that thing along. Until finally at some point, somehow, I don't know, it was the counseling of what? 
I was able to expose my woundedness, my insecurity, that she couldn't really love me that much because all my life I had been unlovable that way. And when she saw that, she grieved. And then she found ways to affirm that it really doesn't matter what I was going to do. It started, see, before that, she even used to talk about, you know, I don't know where I'm going to make it through this and, you know, throwing the, 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 the D word around. But after that, once she heard that and grieved, she never again would throw the D word. Her point was, there's nothing you can do to make me leave you. We're in this together. 35 years later, I've been blessed. That can happen to you. All right, let me hurry up. Second gift, as I'm running out of time here, is I want you to suggest you give the gift of grace. Everybody shout grace. Grace, that's the favor that's not merited. Grace, 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 grace. Uh, watch this text. Let, let the text tell you. I, I love this, this juxtaposition in the text. Acts 28 Verse 4, it says, <laughs> the people of the island saw the snake hanging from his hand. And so they said to each other, ah, this is a murderer. <laughs> no doubt. Justice will ultimately catch up with him. <laughs> and then the next verse said, so they waited to see whether he's going to swell up or he's going to just drop dead. And then watch this. The next verse it says this. But when they had waited a long time looking for the anticipated norm in behavior, he did not behave that way. A long time, after waiting a long time, and they saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Now, when I see these two texts juxtapositioned, it just, it, 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 it gives me a new lens for how I want to challenge you guys to look at your dads and to look at the men that are in your life on this Father's Day. And I, and I, and I want to make sure that you're not making a one of two mistakes, you see. On the one hand, uh, they said, he must be a murderer. To be a murderer means that, that in fact, uh, there's nothing worse than being a murderer. And it reminds me that of those spouses and those kids no, doesn't matter what dad does, he can do no good. He must be, there must be <laughs> something suspicious, something horrendous. You know, if he brings you, if he, if, he, if, he, if he brings six roses, you say, you know, I like 12. Why didn't you bring me that? If he, if he cooks food for you tonight, he says, well, how come you didn't take me to my favorite restaurant? Can do no good. If he stops by to pick up daughter early from school, why are you embarrassing me like this? I didn't ask you to do that. He can do no good. Must be a murderer. And we treat dad and we treat them in our lives. Oftentimes we're trapped in that kind of mentality. Or we go to the other extreme and we put the man in our lives up on a pedestal. He must be like God. We may never say it, but that's how we treat him. And we assume that they can do no wrong. We treat them like they're perfect. And what a horrendous position to put dad in. In either way, because on the one hand, come on, in terms of putting him on a pedestal, dad is broken. Dad is broken. And, and dad's going to mess up. And you've got to create space for dad to mess up and still fall in the contours of your love. And on the other hand, 
Even when dad messes up, you've got to create space for dad to grow, for dad to become better. You've got to do that work. The man in your life. Here's an insight I want you to have. Back up, last, back, back up to the previous screen. The best man is still a broken man. And the most broken man can still be a good man. I'm talking about your dad. I'm talking about you, brother, that's listening to me. Yes, that's right. You know why? <laughs> this, here's my last point. You guys have been ready. I know I'm a little pushing the time a little bit. Here, here, here it is. You see, with God, I can be a pattern breaker. Come on, come on. Can you just say this with me? Say, with God, I can be a pattern breaker. Yes, with God, I can be a pattern. Doesn't matter your gender in this context. Doesn't matter what group you follow. With God, you can be a pattern breaker. Let me show you this in the text. This is amazing. It's in the text. I love it. Here it is. Watch this. Remember, they were, they were waiting and they were watching Paul all of their lives. Whenever a snake, a viper would bite someone, there was a set of behaviors that they could anticipate. There was a pattern that would always unfold. Either the person bitten would become swollen or the person bitten would drop dead. And so they were waiting on the anticipated pattern. But oh boy, my goodness, the text says, but Paul broke the pattern when he shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Pattern breaker. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Pattern breaker. Now I want to remind you that the person that's writing this text, that's, re that's recalling this story, is one called Luke. And not only is he the author of Acts, but he's also the author of the Gospel of Luke. And when you think about this Paul shaking off the snake, Come on now, enter the fire. It might be helpful to remember that the words that this same writer wrote in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verse 19. And he reminds us in that text of what Jesus said about those who put their faith in him. He would in fact empower them. Here's what Jesus says. I have given you dads. Come on now. I have given you kids of dads. I have given those who put their trust in me the authority. Somebody shout power. The authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And here it is to overcome all of the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. In other words, I've authorized you. I've empowered you to be a pattern breaker. Come on now. And that same writer opens up the book of Acts. And when the Holy Spirit comes and gives birth to the, to the church, you want to learn a little something about the, the symbolism of fire, that, that, he, that, that, he, that Paul shakes the snake off into the fire. Watch this uh, in the book of Acts. He says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them. Come on now, the tongues of fire representing the, the power and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages supernaturally. They found the ability in the power of God to do what was not naturally their own ability. They found the capacity to be a 
pattern breaker. Come on now. As the Spirit empowered them. So I want you to, I want you to just, just, can you just say this with me? With God, I can be a pattern breaker. Oh, you know, this is, this is the Apostle Paul's story himself. He, he really was a murderer. Come on now. He used to persecute the church. But when Jesus came into his life, his life, he transformed Paul. And that Paul would ultimately begin to write words like this. Come on now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He would later write these words. I am more than a conqueror through, through Jesus who loves me. He's saying that in Christ, you and I can become pattern breakers. Tell somebody to shake it off into the fire. I broke some patterns. I'm not perfect, but I broke some patterns. You see, my marriage of 35 years, Denzel Washington is not perfect, but he's broken some patterns. You see how God has elevated him. And he says, every time he gets on his knees, come on, he puts his slippers way under the bed. So in order to get the slippers, he's got to get on his knees. And he thanks God for the, all the ways that God helped him to break some patterns. God says to tell you, this is your day. This is your season. It may not happen overnight, but it can happen in time. You can be a pattern breaker. It won't be easy, but it is doable. You can be a pattern breaker. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I pray that you will have empowered us with your word. And that we might leave this message time knowing that you have commissioned each and every one of us to be pattern breakers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let me offer something at my church I do is always provide what I call a response to the message. And, and here I want to suggest, put the response to the message up there. Uh, here I want to suggest, here I want to suggest you take your camera and phone and take a picture of this. But in addition to that, I just want you to make this affirmation right now. Make it in the spirit. Make it in faith. Just read this with me. Say, God, empower me. It'd be a pattern break. I want you to get up for the next seven days and I want you to start your day with simply these words. God, empower me. I don't care who you are. To be a pattern breaker. And then here's the reflection question that I want to encourage you to uh, take a picture of. What are my father's wounds and how have they impacted my life? Take a picture of this. I want you to wrestle with this. And keep being University Presbyterian Church. God has even greater for you. God bless you. Happy Father's Day.